don't need permission to act morally. Religion takes morality from us. Um, human solidarity is the basis of morality. We would not have come this far. We couldn't have lived this long. We couldn't have evolved this much. Do not do to others what would be repulsive if done to you by another. These are insights that we possess innately as of right. Welcome to the Anti-Theist Atheist Podcast, where every week we feature prominent speakers with their arguments against religion. This season, each episode is showcasing opening speeches in religious debates with Christopher Hitchens. Today, we feature Christopher's opening remarks in a debate whether religion is good for the world against Rabbi David Wope, recorded October 29th, 2008 at Temple Emmanuel, said to be the largest Jewish house of worship in the world. Hitch explains how religion is a deterministic universal toxin from which nothing is exempt and that we have no need for divine permission. How each religion denies each other and ignorantly excludes thoughts and principles from anywhere else. How the wish to refer our responsibilities upward is a wish for a totalitarian solution to our problems and this is how we end up with the divine right of kings political doctrine resulting in a dictatorship with humans claiming they have divine authority. Christopher ends on the moral point of how those who take solace in their belief that a holy book coerces good morals in people are insulting themselves because we don't need permission to act morally. This theocratic death wish is the greatest insult and has been and still is the greatest threat to us and all the gains of civilization. Without any further throat clearing, here is the opening speech from Christopher Hitchens. When I was looking for a subtitle for my book, God is Not Great, I thought, let's not be sensational, let's not be catch penny, let's not be cheap, but let's, let's try and get people's attention. I thought God is Not Great might do that already. I called it How Religion, Why Religion Poisons Everything. I knew what would happen. People would say, what, everything? <coughs> what, you mean chess? Uh, you mean tantric sex? You mean tourism? It poisons everything? Well, in a way, as I've gone on with this debate, and as I persist in it tonight, and as I will tomorrow, I would be more and more willing, ever more willing to defend myself in saying that it's a universal toxin from which nothing is exempt. First, I believe and I maintain that it attacks us in our very deepest integrity, in, our, in, the, in the core of our self-respect. Religion says that we would not know right from wrong. We would not know an evil, wicked act from a decent human act uh, without divine permission or without divine authority, or without, even worse, either the fear of divine punishment or the hope of a divine reward. It, it, it strips us of the right to make our own determination, as all humans always have, about what is and what is not a right and good action. To give a trivial example that I hope none of you will find really actually trivial. Uh, as you know from the archaeological work of Israel Finkelstein and others, the story of the wandering in exile 
described in Exodus is a mythical one. It's, a, it's a, an entirely invented one, a metaphorical one at best, but it does tell a very important story. And it does say that after a very long wandering, <clears throat> Uh, my mother's ancestors got to the foot of Mount Sinai and were informed that uh, perjury, theft, and murder were non-kosher. Now, my question to you is this. How far would the Jewish people have got? Would they have got that far, even wandering around in the desert, leaderless in sometimes ways? if they'd been under the impression that murder and theft and perjury were okay. I think it's an insult to have it said that that was the case. I think, in other words, that all one needs to know about is human solidarity and the need for it, and human evolution from the savannah and from the places in Africa where we very nearly died out and were very nearly exterminated uh, before the escape. That we wouldn't have made it this far if we didn't have this knowledge in us as innate. There is no need for divine permission. And those who say that there is are willing to prostrate themselves before an altar. And they may say, well, at least it's a Jewish altar. Well, then, how will they deny the Wahhabi Muslim the right to say the same thing? To prostrate himself in front of God, the Salafi Muslim, to prostrate himself in front of God and say, only from you can I receive anything. Only from you can I receive an idea. Only from you can I receive a principle. Uh, will we say, well, that's fine. Uh, Louis Farrakhan's racist crackpot cult organization can get black people off drugs in prison, they say. So they get the same privilege. It all comes from on high. That's the first point. The second point is, in a sense, uh, imbricated in and necessitated by what I've just said. In the veil of tears in which we live, of, of insecurity, anxiety, doubt, combat, and struggle, all these things, by the way, I think are good for us and help us to grow up. We shouldn't wish for a world where there was eternal peace and tranquility and banality. We should welcome the chance to take part in struggle and to be afflicted by anxiety. But in this world, oh, there are problems that the human race has always faced and always will and that philosophers have wrestled with and always will have to, and that aestheticians and artists have tortured themselves about. There's only one solution to this that doesn't work, and that is to refer it upward and to say, if only there was a celestial dictator who could just take this responsibility from us and legislate the whole thing for us and accept our blind, obedient, self-abnegating trust, then maybe everything would be all right. I, I hope it shouldn't be necessary to say in a place of this kind, in a refuge of this kind, uh, that there is no totalitarian solution to our problems. That very fortunately, I think, we are on our own and we have only our own responsibility and our own mentation and intellect and principle with which to face these things. It can't be said that a God whose authority is unchallengeable, who can convict you of thought crime while you sleep, who can tell you that you're condemned for something you thought you might do, who knows your thoughts, 
who has utter unchallengeable authority over you, whose, whose rule makes that of Kim Il-sung uh, make uh, the idea of a celestial North Korea seem laughable, uh, that such an authority can be the answer to our problems. No. It's, it's perhaps, you might think, sad, but I think good that we don't have that resource. We cannot prostrate ourselves before an, a, a dictator, an absolutist. And we can't hope to refer these things upward. Well, um, those are my two main points. And I don't know how far I've got, but I must be trespassing on the rabbi's time. But I, I think I ought to add that if this belief was moral, because there are those who say, well, it may not be true. There may not actually be a God. Uh, the, the, the holy books may not tell a true story. Uh, they may be metaphorical. Uh, the, all the evidence is that all holy books are man-made, as all religion is, and not God-made. Nonetheless, still, uh, we have our morality uh, from them. And at least religion coerces people into behaving better. They don't, as an English duchess once said, they don't fornicate in the street and frighten the horses. That's all she asked of the lower orders. I think, again, we're being asked to insult ourselves and to disrespect ourselves and to think of ourselves as servile, as slave-like, as abject and lacking in self-respect. We don't need permission to act morally. Religion takes morality from us. Um, human solidarity is the basis of morality. We would not have come this far. We couldn't have lived this long. We couldn't have evolved this much if we didn't know that we had to look out for one another and that well before Rabbi Hillel enunciates the golden rule, uh, that the same instruction is found in the Analects of, uh, of Confucius. Do not do to others what would be repulsive if done to you by another. These are insights that we possess innately as of right. And the last time that right was called divine, and that the idea that rights could only be derived from the divine, it was the divine right of kings, which replaced the idea of a celestial, unalterable dictatorship in heaven, and said that it was the permission for totalitarian rule also by other human beings here on earth. And if you ask yourselves, ladies and gentlemen, brothers, sisters, comrades, friends, what is the greatest threat, not just to our moral but our physical survival? What is the greatest insult to our intellectual integrity at present? I think at least a number of you would be inclined to agree with me that that threat is probably theocratic that humans who claim divine authority, that humans who claim to tell us what to do, that humans who say they'll kill themselves, they're so keen to kill us, who have a cult of suicide, a death wish, uh, and believe they have divine permission for it, are by far the most menacing uh, of our foes. And that they, they don't just threaten us physically, they threaten all the gains of civilization, all the gains of thought and reflection and art and aesthetics. So that those who claim that they have a hotline to the Almighty or to God have a lot of disproving to do before they can show that they are not part, that they don't take a share in uh, the, the, the worst and most impermeable uh, tyranny that one could well face. 
Um, I'm, I'm incredibly grateful to you for inviting me and very grateful to you for listening this far. Thank you.